So I guess you've got to see the monitor because every time I look up at the camera to address them too, basically you hope you like that. You can watch some reaction. All right, so I'm just then wrapping up a little bit. Um, but we're in a relationship series. Half of you guys haven't been here for any of it. So we're gonna spend some time just a, a brief flyover of what we've been looking at over the last three weeks. That's how long we've been doing this. This is week four of our biblical friendship series. Next week will be week five, and that will be last week. Um, so welcome to all the new sixth graders. I don't know if you guys are ever going to be mad at me. I don't know who I am at all, but my name is Josh O'Hora. Okay, Ethan's got it. <laughs> and then this is my wife, Jerry O'Hora. Um, and we're the leaders of the junior high class. So it's us and then Mission Rhonda Medlands, which you probably know who that is. Probably, probably went over to their house and swam at some point, somehow, or at least hung out with them. No? Okay. They don't have a pool anymore. Yeah, we used to live pretty close to Silas and Raytown and we got to the country. But um, sixth graders and middle schoolers will look to have some, we typically have like a junior high meet and greet type deal so you can get to know other families, other people. You already know them a little bit because you were just with them in fourth and fifth, but it's kind of like a reconnected type deal. So be looking out for that and let your parents know. Also, encourage your parents to get on WhatsApp because it makes communication way easier. Um, eighth graders, we missed you already. I feel like you're not anything to do with this anymore. I think you're over here. Missed you already, even though nothing's changed. Um, and for sixth graders coming in, this, we're typically not all together. We're typically junior high, high school, but this is COVID times, so this is what our class looks like for now. Okay, so we're going to um, review a little bit. Over the last couple weeks, we've been looking at biblical friendship. Um, in week one, Jeff preached, Jeff preached about um, all these different characteristics that Paul and Barnabas, you guys are familiar with Paul and Barnabas in the Bible. Um, they're a dynamic duo that start, like, helps to start the early church. Um, and all these different characteristics that these two guys modeled. Okay? Um, they were humble, they were supportive, they were faithful, they were purposed, they were loyal. Ultimately, they were sanctified together. Right? So that's what we looked at in week one, just trying to get you guys head back in this or here for the first time. Um, and as they were, who God called them to be, they did what God called them to do. So they grew together, they brought others to Christ. See you on there? Okay, so as they were who God called them to be, then they started to do the things that God called them to do. That just makes sense. That's true in our lives as well. Um, so they grew together. They brought others to Christ. They learned God's word. They struggled together in the faith, despite persecution in their lives. So Paul and Barnabas had experienced this hardship, this victory, um, opposition, fruitfulness together. Doing good? You see it now? Okay, it's a little weird. Uh, but as they experienced all these different trials of their faith, um, it became clear that they had developed some patience. And through that tribulation, through those experiences, that patience grew into hope, and it enabled them to stand and continue in the mission together. So they had grown into this really dynamic, but also humble, 
um, pair of leaders and really wonderful examples. So we've look, been looking at the story of Paul and Barnabas and the friendship together over the first three weeks. Um, we're going to continue that in Acts 15 this morning. So if you've got a Bible, pull it open. Open up to Acts 15. That's where we'll be at. Um, but before we jump into that passage, I want to take a slight detour just for our minds' sake. We're in a new space. Some shifting that's happened. Um, I just wanted to look at a couple of verses with you guys before we jump into our main passage. And both of these are going to sound pretty familiar. Um, John 21, John 17, or John 14, 15. Uh, we'll be in Acts 15, so that's where you open up to, but then this is where we're looking at this for a second. Okay, so you've heard these stories, you've heard um, these accounts before. Um, this is where Peter and Jesus are talking, and Peter's like, Jesus, I love you. And Jesus is like, do you? If you do, do this. Feed my sheep. So after going back and forth a couple of times, Jesus asks Peter the third time if he loves him. And Peter answers, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love you. And Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. Okay, so who here this morning would say, yeah, I love Jesus? I can, I can boldly say that. I can raise my hand. I love Jesus just like Peter did. We love Jesus. In John 14, 15, it says, If you love me, for these people that are professing that we love Christ, then let's keep his commandments. Okay? So I say those two things to start us this morning. I think we have a desire to express our love. Uh, I think we have a desire to keep God's commandments. But I just wanted to kind of frame our thinking um, before we jump into God's word. I want, I want to encourage you guys. I, I, don't, I don't really know what fourth and fifth grade looks like. <laughs> I don't really know what you guys do on Sunday mornings. Maybe you guys have some teaching times and chill time and stuff like that. But what we're going to do right now is we're going to engage with God's Word. I guess it's just going to be up here. We're going to look at it. We're going to be called to action by God's Word. And, and I'm just encouraging you guys, what we're saying we love Christ, let's prove it out by letting God's Word change us, by letting it transform how we think and how we act and how we live our lives. If we're going to say we love Jesus, then let's let him speak to us and let his words pierce us and let us be transformed by the word of God, because that's what he wants to accomplish this morning. Okay, so what we're going to look at this morning is a call to lead. Um, it's a call to shepherd others. So that's, that's week four. We've had sanctified together. We've had um, <clears throat> struggling together. We've had standing together. And now we're... We're looking at shepherding together. So even if you just looked at those S words in your progression, there's a growth that has been taking place in these two guys' lives and then to the place where they're leading others, right? And that's what we're going to look at. I mean, they've been doing that for a couple chapters now, but that's what we're really going to focus on this morning. So I'm going to pray, and we'll jump into Acts 15. Uh, Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for this space um, that we can gather together and we can consider your word and God, those things we just looked at in your word, God, asking us to just consider if we love you and if our actions reflect that, Lord, I just pray that we would be reflected this morning. We would be soft to hear and receptive to your word. Um, God, would you make your word plain? Would you make it clear so that we can all understand it? Um, I, I think I can get in the way of that. I don't want to, Lord. I want your word to be clear. I want it to be concise. I want it to be receivable. Um, so, Lord, would your, would your spirit do the teaching? This morning, and God help us. We need it. Let's pray for these things. Pray soon. 
Okay, so last week, Jeff was preaching, um, and he left off with Paul getting stoned, right? So he gets hit by a bunch of rocks, and that's was like, oh my gosh, he got stoned, dude. I didn't want to, like, say the phrase, because I was just like, high schoolers keep can do Yeah, he got stoned with rocks, everybody else was like, what is he talking about? <laughs> and that's <still> nice. <laughs> Hopefully not personally. Okay, so Paul gets stoned with rocks, and then the very they, they get up right after that, right? They get up and they go to the next, and they go to Derby, and they continue preaching the gospel. They just keep doing exactly what they were doing before. They got stoned to death. So pretty much, we got, made that point really clearly. Like, man, we got to preach the gospel no matter what the circumstances are. That was the focus of last week. As you look at the end of Acts 14, um, you see this transition happen. So they're in Derby. And what they do is they just hop from city to city to city, and they just keep doing the same thing. They go from place to place to place, and they confirm the disciples that are already there. They call more people to Christ. They ask them into a relationship with Jesus. They declare what he's done, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and the life that can be lived with him. Um, they make those things really clear, and they end up in the city where they kind of started, Antioch. Okay? So that's where chapter 15 kind of gets going. So if you look at that with me, uh, we're going to look through kind of a lot of verses, but I'll summarize about half of them. So we're going to be looking at Acts 15, 1 through 35, but we're going to read about, like, 12 of them or something. So um, verses 1 and 2, what you have is dummies teaching. There's some guys that shouldn't be teaching, but they're teaching. So it says, And certain men, which came down from Judea, taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. So they've got this message, and it's a, it's a wrong message. So, when therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they're like, well, you can't be talking like that. They dissent, they dispute against that message. They determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. Do we need to follow the law? Do we need to be circumcised? Do we need to follow all these mosaic teachings that we've been looking at for thousands of years? Um, do the Gentiles need to do this? There's this really big question, right? That's what's being discussed so far. A couple of side points, so little aside. And these certain men that are raising this question and teaching this wrong doctrine, they pretty clearly don't respect Paul and Barnabas' authority that God had given them, right? They're like, man, I don't respect your message. I don't think what you've been preaching is accurate. We need to go get an answer um, from, from the real leaders in Jerusalem, the people that were really with Jesus. Uh, we're going to have these small points just so you can consider who am I Who am I like in these couple first verses? Am I like Paul and Barnabas or am I like these certain men? So I encourage you guys, search the scriptures and, and be sure that the leadership that God has placed in your life um, is leading you rightly according to the word of God. That's something that we're called to do. I, I think a lot of people think the church is just like blindly follow Mr. Andrew, you know, or blindly follow Pastor Jeff. Like that's not what the Bible says to do. That's not what anyone's asking you to do. We're asking you to listen because what we're doing is declaring the word of God. But you should check it out and you should make sure that what's being said on Sunday mornings or Tuesday nights or Fridays or whenever reflects what God's mind actually is in his word, right? Okay, the second thing we can see from these first couple of verses is Paul and Barnabas, they're really clearly engaged in the mission that God gave them, right? Um, they're engaged in that mission, so they recognize this questionable teaching right away. They're like, oh, <laughs> that's jacked up. I know that that's not true. Um, and what they do is they stand up against it, and they do that because they're ready. 
So my second little mini point in these first couple of verses is man, just engage in the work that God has for you so that you can recognize these crazy teachings as they come into your ears. You can resist that, the wall of your own mind, and you can be safe from being corrupted like other people were in this passage. So engage so that you can be ready. And then the third one, Paul and Barnabas' message of salvation through faith in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection had been resisted before by threatening them physically. Paul got stoned. They were trying to kill them and stop them physically. Now that's becoming more subtle. The message is being resisted. Um, these, these opposers are trying to slow down Paul and Barnabas so they can't reach as many people in as many cities. And that's the tactic of Satan that you guys ought to be aware of. Um, Satan desires to take everyone in this room out of the mission however he can. So first that's going to be, I'm just going to make it so you're not even here, right? Like you're not even able to receive it, um, physically opposed. And second, even if you're like, man, I am going to preach the gospel. He's going to bring about fears. He's going to bring about these other things, um, these more subtle things to slow you down, to make your effectiveness less. So just be aware of that. Even this morning, there's, there's probably already a challenge of like, Oh, I'm cold because of the fan, or I'm hot because we're in a balcony, and like there's this spiritual warfare that's already going on. There's, like, there's all these distracting things. We got to engage, right? We got to engage with what God's called us to. Okay, so there's these there's these dummy teachers. They declare that you got to do this certain thing. They determine they're going to go to Jerusalem to figure it out together. Pick it back up in verse three, verses three through six in Acts 15. It says, and being brought on their way by the church. They passed through Phenis and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. So as they're going, Paul and Barnabas keep doing what they've been doing. They're declaring the things they know to be true to the people that, they, that have accepted Christ. And when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all the things that God had done with them. Okay, so, so far, it's all good. It's all great. The church is like, yes, these guys, we love them. We'll receive them. But verse 5, but there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees, which believed, so there's Christians, but they've got this Pharisee background, this Jewish background, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Verse 6, and the apostles and elders came together for to consider of this matter. Okay, so just pause for a moment. There's been a lot already so far. Uh, I want you guys to imagine this. Like you just travel all around the world, basically, all around this Mediterranean region, you're Paul Barnabas. Um, you've been declaring this message for years. You've been <laughs> seeing people translated from Satan's family, the kingdom of darkness, to God's family, this kingdom of light. Like, God's been working mightily in your life. And then you get to this point where it's all being challenged. You're like, oh, do we, do we need to add more to this? Is there more that needs to happen? So I try to imagine this, and I just imagine, like, lots of tightly packed beards and robes and dust. Like, that's what I imagine whenever I imagine, like, 2,000 years ago, Middle East, <laughs> like, any city. I think it's just because, like, that's how they draw the pictures. They're, like, out in front of the building. Vikings. Uh, Vikings. Vikings? Not quite. A little, a little farther back than that. So that, like, there's, yeah, I mean, I guess it kind of sounds like Vikings. There's a bunch of bearded dudes, but they've got these robes on. Um, they're really passionate. They're, like, stirring about. Um, there's yelling, there's hands waving, but this is, like, that sounds somewhat silly, but there's this really tense situation that's going on, right? If you really think about what's going on, there's this humongous question. Do we stand with what we've been doing, if we're Paul Marcus? Do we stand 
um, grace alone, faith in Christ, his finished work on the cross. Do we continue requiring that, or do we add to it these works, these old things that our, our fathers had done, our ancestors had done? Paul and Barnabas had been willing to die for the message that they had been sharing, and now it's being challenged, and these certain men, the thing is that makes it really difficult is these certain men, these Pharisees that had converted, they actually have somewhat of an argument, right? And think about it. Jesus was circumcised. Jesus followed the law perfectly. Like, you can, you can make an argument that would make people have to pause and think for a second, should this be part of what this new faith is, right? I think that's, I think that's the case with all the apostles as well. They fit into those things, right? Do we do we diverge to this new branch? Okay, so what I'm saying is there's a ton riding on this conversation that they're having, right, that they're about to have in Jerusalem. Okay, next chunk of verses, Acts 15, 7 through 12, and then we're going to get our first key point for the morning. Verse 7, and when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up. You guys know Peter. He's kind of the guy. The, the key, the chief, like the, the main guy in Jerusalem, um, Christ that he built the church from, and that has started to happen. Okay, and when there had been much disputing, these guys going back and forth, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, just imagine this too, this is really cool. Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us, that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, Bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. And put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? So we ask this question, you know, why are you gonna, why are you gonna put the law back on these people that nobody has ever been able to fulfill, fulfill before except for Christ? Why would you do that? It doesn't make any sense. Then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. Okay, so a first thing, we're looking at biblical friendship. Um, our stars, Paul and Barnabas, um, what do they do in those verses we just looked at? Biblical friends declare what God has done. I think that's really clear in the line of Paul and Barnabas. They declare what Paul and Barnabas have done. Found some. Okay, so if you guys, if you guys ever get to a point where you're building a PowerPoint for something and you need some sweet pictures? I just learned a hack last night. You just get on Instagram, you screenshot that mug, you crop it up, and then you give them no credit. <laughs> I think every picture that I stole was from um, either Jeff or Kylie or me or I think that's it. Yeah. Or Midtown Baptist Temple's <laughs> Instagram. So there's the credit for all the pictures. This is probably. How many years ago is this? Uh, how old do you feel like you are here? I, I think we were in grade. I was in middle school. Yeah, that was like high school. No, that was four years ago. Yeah, that's 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 this is a good example of a biblical friend. They stand up and declare what God has done. What was I thinking when I was typing this point? Man, we can't declare what God has done until we know what God has done. right? We can't speak about things that we haven't experienced. And we won't know what God has done until we discover it in his word or we discover it in our own experience, in our own lives. 
you're not, maybe that's the thing you're feeling like, I don't talk about God. I don't declare what he's doing in my life. I can't relate to this. Well, maybe it's because you're not spending time in God's word and you're not seeing him moving your life, so therefore you can't declare what he's doing because he's not doing anything, right? Does that make sense? If you're, not, if you're not declaring what God has done, maybe it's because you're just not close to him or you're not seeing what he's doing or what he wants to do. Okay, so just like the certain men, there's going to be people that will have questions about our Christian beliefs, right? That's what those guys are doing. They're saying, is this how it's really supposed to be and in our lives? If we think about it, raise your hand if you've experienced someone either by word or by action or by the way they looked at you, question your Christian beliefs. I think if you're bold at all, if you're, if you're like letting yourself be known, there's questioning that happens. Okay, let me give you some examples. Why is marriage like that between a man and a woman? Like, that's a challenge to what you believe if you're in Christ, right? Why don't you vape? <laughs> I don't think I would ever ask him that. He's like, I do. <laughs> Why don't you do this thing? Um, what's wrong with abortion? Why can't people just choose to do whatever they want? Okay, so there are people out there that challenge the foundational doctrines of Christianity with these questions. What do we do when these humongous questions arise? Let's look at the example. We declare what God has done, but when there's an, exi- when there's an issue, when the people have questions, Paul and Barnabas walk those individuals right to the source, right? Okay, you won't accept my word for it. Let's just go look at Jesus' words, right, to the people he gave them to. Let's go to Peter. Let's go to the apostles in Jerusalem. Let's bring you right to the word of God so you can see for yourself, and you can do whatever you want after that, right? So the example that we see set is, man, whenever there's a question out there and people are genuinely wanting an answer to it, not just, like, being a jerk about it, let's bring them right to the source. Let's bring them right to the word of God so that they can see for themselves and they can make a decision. We'll have been faithful to do what we were called to do. Where there's potential for disagreement or for... Um, division in the body. Paul and Barnabas don't just like let those guys, they're like, that's a dumb question. Of course you don't have to be circumcised. Of course you don't have to follow along. you got this figured out already. They don't just leave them to like conclude their own thoughts, make up their own minds. What they do is they walk with them um, right to Christ. They don't allow them to isolate themselves. They feed them. They oversee. They, they get right in there with them to give them a chance to come to the right conclusion. Biblical friends work together and work it out and get on the same page. And that's a, that's a scriptural precedent. In Proverbs 24, verse 6, it says, For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war. <laughs> so, for by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war. And in the multitude of counselors there is safety. <laughs> this is, side note again, this is a really good friend. <laughs> he, he proved it once again. He proves it all the time. But on Friday night, okay, so in advance, he let me borrow his paint sprayer so I could paint my house. That was like a poor decision already. Just like trusting me with this expensive piece of equipment. But he trusted me. Um, and then I uh, paint like three quarters of my house. And the thing just like jams up and I can't fix it. I'm like, Mitch, I don't want this thing to get ruined. What do I do? It's like, I'll be over there. He hangs up. <laughs> he drives straight there. And he comes up and he's like, got it pliers. And like, rips this thing apart and like fixes it, paint splatters all over him. <laughs> when I hadn't gotten any on my on me the whole day, he's just like, got it. <laughs> You're awesome. You're awesome. And that just demonstrates like Mitch's willingness to go and to do and to be to, to join. Story Ethan. 
you just like testifying to Mitch's coolness. What's up? How big? Um, not that big. It's just like a little ranch house. <laughs> so, and I, I take the house. Mitch comes and helps. He's a good friend, but he's also a wise counselor. And it, the Bible's telling us, man, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Okay, so what are we what are we looking at? Man, if you're a student in the student ministry, don't allow yourself to be isolated. Don't allow yourself to be separated. Don't allow yourself to come to like what Sam would call like YouTube doctrines, right? Don't just follow the crazy. Get with a bunch of wise individuals, which you have them in, in the Gracers, in the Fikes, in the Murphys, in the Rats, in the Medlands, in the Andersons, in the Auroras. Get with your counselors, right? And come to the conclusion there. That's how you make your war. Pinky point. <laughs> Jeff pointed out that I'm a pinky pointer. I guess do that. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And that's what we're looking at there. Um, there's safety there. And the reality is, for us to continue, like in the mission that God has called us to, for us to be successful in that, we have to be united doctrinally. That's just the reality. Amos 3.3, you guys are probably familiar with that passage too. It talks about, and can two walk together except they be agreed? Question mark. The answer is no. Like, we can't accomplish the mission in our lives on the things that God wants us to do unless we're on the same page with the core doctrines of the Christian faith. Okay, so Peter and Paul and Barnabas and James and all these others, they take this time to work through this question. They're like, man, what did Jesus say about that? We need to make sure that we're proclaiming the right thing throughout this region because this is the beginning of Christianity. We're telling people this is how you follow Christ. We better have this right, right? So they come together and they do this. Um, they talk about that issue at hand, and they come to a scriptural conclusion together. And if you haven't gotten it already, like this is just this is the process. This is what we need to do whenever these questions arise. When we're unsure of something, this needs to be our response as well. That makes sense. You know, we've got to come to a scriptural conclusion. I think it's a lot easier. I know I do this at times. I'm not sure about the answer to that. I'm just going to set it down and be fine with that. No, I need to come up with that answer so that I know what to declare to somebody else whenever they have that same question. That's, that's my responsibility. That's something I need to do. I need to labor to gain that understanding. And we need to labor to gain that understanding. Because if we don't have that understanding, then where... Where is right doctrine going to come from if it's not from this room or from this church in the world? It's just not going to come out. People are going to arrive at these conclusions like these certain men were. And they're like, I think this might be right. We'll search the scriptures, and then we'll have this church that's some crazy sect, which is what we've seen throughout history, right? All these different crazy ideas and denominations of Christianity because they don't look at the book. We have to be people that do that. Okay, so that's through 1 through 12. I'm going to summarize 13 through 29. So if you want to go back and read this later on. And also the beginning, I forgot to mention, if you're like, man, I, I, I want to know more about biblical friendships, Jeff's been doing a bunch of work to get those posted online so you can watch them and listen to them. So go on to the MBT Student Ministry YouTube page. You can just type that in, MBT Student Ministry. Then these videos will pop up. You can watch week one, week two, if you, or and week three if um, you want to catch up on those things and see what it's like. What are the characteristics of being a biblical friend? What am I supposed to be doing? Okay, so 13 through 29, this, this big, important, super, mega, crazy meeting continues. Um, and they get to the point where they determine that they should just write some letters. 
one guy stands up and he's like, man, we need to write a letter to all these different churches so that we can communicate the things that we were just talking about here so they can all know what we know. Um, and the group determines that Paul and Barnabas and Judas and Silas, that's Silas, should deliver this letter. It's like, boo, stop it. <laughs> these four guys, they should deliver the letter, which talks about how the, in short, talks about how the Gentiles don't need to follow the law, but that they should keep themselves holy. They should keep themselves clean from idolatry and fornication. That's what the letter basically talks about. Because you, you get to verse 30, and this is, I thought this was really, really cool. Maybe you guys were like, that's the standard verse in the Bible. But I thought it was awesome. Acts 15.30 says, So when they were dismissed, those four guys we just talked about, they came to Antioch, just like they were supposed to. And when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the epistle, which when they had read, they rejoiced for the consolation. Okay, so I don't know why I couldn't word this differently, but like it just stuck this way and I felt like I needed to keep it. Um, the second thing that we see biblical friends doing in this passage is they deliver the epistle. Now it's another oldie, but a good one. I don't even know. I don't even know half these people. I know a few of them. Got the best. Got Sebastian. Got my kind of emo-looking wife. <laughs> dark. Dark. <laughs> Me and Blake's Cody. Okay, I know. Who's that? Who's this guy? That's that's that seems like a kid I don't know. But that's an interesting. I think that's Josh Teller. <laughs> so I don't know what the context of this is. Oh. Who's that? Taking crafts or something? I don't know. There's somebody, a shot. Let me figure out who that guy is. I don't think that's a shot. I think that's an eye. Right? No. Go behind you. That's a different dude. Totally different dude, dude. Okay, so they delivered the epistle. What does that mean? What is an epistle? This is a challenging question, actually. <laughs> just posted a, What's an epistle? Do you want to take a stab at it? Not a pistol. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody got a guess? Okay, so what, what have we been talking about? They delivered the epistle. Just contextually, what do you think it might be? Which Someone is a friend with Jesus. Okay. What you say? A letter. A letter. There you go. Okay, so they, they're, they're having a super important meeting. They have, they have these big conversations. They end up talking about what they're going to do. They say, we need to write a letter. These four guys need to take the letter. They deliver the epistle. They deliver that letter. They deliver the words associated with it, all the conversation behind it to these different churches. I'm, I guess I'm not really sure why this wording stuck as much as it did. But I just thought it was awesome. When when the church determined that Paul and Barnabas and Judas and Silas were the guys that were supposed to deliver this letter, those guys delivered the letter. They did everything necessary to get to this whole different city. They like they sat down their lives here, they picked up the stuff that they would need, they went to a whole different place, they protected the letter, they walked together in unity, they get to the city, they gather together, I don't know, hundreds of people so that they can hear this message, and then they deliver the message. Okay, so what am I getting at? They just did it. I think all too often we're guilty of hearing, you know, I, I think we need to deliver this message to this people group. I, I, 
we hear that every Sunday in some form or fashion, right? We need to deliver this message to this people. We need to do this right here. And we see the application when we're in the church service. We hear the message. We're pricked in our hearts. We realize the change needs to occur in our own lives. But then we sit there as the invitation is given to do something about it. We just sit there. We don't deliver any of this. We sit in our seats and we stay the same. I'm guilty of this. I'm not preaching. I'm preaching at you guys. I'm preaching to myself at the same time. I want to deliver the epistle. I want to do exactly what God calls me to do this week to the people that he's bringing to my mind and to my heart right now. It's really easy, I think, to sit in a pew or in a room and to feel the conviction that God just brings down as his word is open. He acknowledges where we're at. He shows us where to go. We feel convicted, but then we do very little to achieve actual conformity to Christ. Like, we feel bad, but we don't, like, we don't match ourselves up with what Jesus looked like according to the word. We're just like, I'm pretty cool being who I am. I don't care. We just, we just allow that rationality to exist. We just go on with our lives. And what we do is we stifle, like, yeah, I've been here eight years at this church. A little more than eight years now. It's pretty crazy to think about. So when you guys are here longer, that was crazy, too. Some of you guys are, like, 11. <laughs> 11 years <now. laughs> And we've heard so much. Every single week we're called to Christ. We're called to action. We're called to preach the gospel. Every single week we, we just stifle the word of God in our lives. We say, I'm going to keep that right there. I'm going to go about my life. And instead of taking the next step so we can actually do what the word of God has commanded us to do, we just go on our way. We're responsible for living out what God calls us to every single time the word of God is open. I think we can justify, oh, that's a great suggestion. I should be friendly. I should be humble. I should be long-suffering. I should be, I should grow with other people. I should. Not, and it's a, I should instead of I must. It's a commandment. It's, it's scripture. It's God's words. We just text them. <laughs> we don't care. I, don't, I get it because I do it, but I don't get it at the same time. Imagine what could have happened if people that had a responsibility, Paul and Barnabas, Paul Barnabas, Silas, these guys, they have a responsibility to deliver an epistle to multiple other cities. Imagine what would happen if they just didn't do it. And God, yeah. can, do, God can do whatever he wants. Yeah, other people have done that. God can, God can move things around, and he can make other people, like he can bring some attention to other people so that they go do it and accomplish this as well, because his will will be accomplished. But imagine the, the difference in the Bible, potentially, if these guys don't go and do this. <laughs> imagine what our lives could potentially look like, you know? Like, okay, <laughs> we all got to follow the law. No bacon for any of us. That stinks, right? Like, that would stink. So Paul and Barnabas' faith transformed immediately churches then, but it, changed, it transformed the future of the world. It's pretty staggering to think about that God calls us to things that change eternity, change our lives, yeah, but change other people's lives around us and change the world. That's what he's calling us to. So we've got to deliver that epistle. That's, that's the big thing that God was showing me this, this week. Um, let's look at the last three verses and we'll get our last point. Finish up. Acts 15, 32 through 35, it says, And Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, people that preach, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. 
And after they had tarried there a space, they hung out for a while, they were let go in peace from the brethren unto the apostles, notwithstanding it pleased Silas to abide there still. Silas says, I'm going to keep here. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to minister with these people. I like this group. And God is calling to this people. 35, Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Okay, so the third thing that biblical friends do, it's not just from these three verses, it's from everything we've been looking at for four weeks. Biblical friends recognize their personal responsibility to perform what God has called them to, and that's shepherding. Who is that? Okay, so biblical friends <laughs> Biblical friends recognize and that it's their responsibility to shepherd. It's their responsibility. So if, if we want to be disciples, if we want to be great biblical friends, if we want to be biblical and we gotta accept this responsibility as well. We gotta we gotta understand that it's a sixth grader's responsibility to shepherd somebody else. That feels kind of strong, right? It is kind of strong. I'm supposed to shepherd. I'm supposed to, okay, so what's a shepherd? I'm supposed to oversee people, watch over them with care. I'm supposed to feed other people the word of God. I'm supposed to protect them from getting out of bounds and getting into dangerous situations in their lives. I'm supposed to lead others as a sixth grader, as a, even a tenth grader, as a senior. I'm supposed to do that. I feel pretty young. I don't know about that. That's, that feels like a strong statement. Yeah, that's what God calls us to do. You can do that right now with, with whatever state you're at. Even if you, even if this is the first message you've ever heard. Like you have enough to start shepherding somebody else in some capacity. If, you're, if you've accepted Christ, you have the ability to bring somebody in closer to Jesus. And God has called every single one of us to live lives that are intentionally doing that. Not just like, <laughs> intentionally doing that. Not just like whenever you feel like it or whenever the opportunity maybe comes around. We need to be intentional shepherds. So maybe you can pray or maybe you can speak. Maybe you can keep somebody accountable in their walk. Maybe you can text somebody in the morning and be like, hey, did you read Proverbs chapter 6? This is what I got out of it. And they're like, yeah, I read this. Me and Dylan Wilbur have been doing that like the last week. Dylan's a good friend. He came over and helped me paint, like, <laughs> like do different house stuff, like four different days. He's a good friend. I need to be a good friend back. I need to keep them accountable to reading the Word of God. I, I have the capacity to do that. I'm going to do it. Maybe you could bring somebody to church or to Bible study or to one of our hangouts. Or maybe you could forward the link that we have while we're still doing these kind of weird Zoom hangouts or our student ministry services. You can be a shepherd. You can consider the people that are in your life. Have you guys considered that? Surely at some point, to some degree. But have you guys considered that God wants to grow you up from being a, a whatever greater you are? God wants to grow you up. God wants to use you. God wants to mature you to the point where you can oversee the spiritual well-being of another individual, of another soul. That's big. <laughs> That's humongous. But it's called. It's, it's for all of us. Maybe it's one person. Maybe it's a group of people. We just need to grow to the point where that would be possible. At some point, our faith, our individual faith, has to grow to the point where, man, it's, it's not like... 
I've got to figure this out and get my ducks in a row. So to some point, like, that's good. we got to do that. But at some point, we got to graduate from that. we got to go to, I've got some things figured out, and I need to tell others, and I need to leave. That, that, that growth is supposed to happen in every individual. Do you have a sibling? Do you have a friend? Do you have a classmate? Do you have teammates? Do you have parents? Do you have neighbors? Do you have anybody nearby you? Because if there's anybody nearby you, God has the capacity, he did this, so that they're there because you're there. Like, he knows what he's doing, and he wants to use you. He wants you to deliver the epistle. He wants you to deliver the word to him. He wants you to be a magnifier of his name, to declare his mighty works to the people that are around. He wants you to do that. He wants you to oversee them, to feed them, to bring them along. That's how the church is supposed to work. Like, this is part of it. But that's how the church is supposed to work, where every person goes out confidently and boldly because Jesus is their strength. And Jesus leads them. The Holy Spirit gives them wisdom. Man, I'm, I need this. I want to be this. But that's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. It's humongous. Pray. It's the number one thing you can do. Just pray for help. Pray for wisdom on how to do it well. Do it in a multitude of counselors. Christ is the chief shepherd, ultimately. That's what gives me confidence and rest in it. Like, I can't do any of the things that we're talking about this morning at all. No, just no. I don't want to at all. But Jesus is that chief shepherd. We get to just follow his lead. We get to follow his example. What is his example? John 10, 14, and John 10, 11, they say Jesus is talking about how he's a good shepherd. It's obvious. I mean, Jesus says he knows his sheep. And Jesus says he gives his life for the sheep. Uh, and then the, the verses there with it, I don't think I have those ones on there. Sorry. Uh, Mark 6, 34, even further than knowing his sheep and giving his life for the sheep. It says, in Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, and was moved with compassion toward them. Because they were a sheep, not having a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. You could, this is a series in itself, right? And Jesus, when he, when he comes out from praying, when he comes out from spending time with his father, he saw the people that were around him. Just think about your own life, if, like if we're being like Jesus. Think about yourself. You come out of the church building, you come out of your morning reading, and you see the people that are in front of you, your sister, your important to see when I'm crying. <laughs> people that are in our lives that are right around us. And God just wants us to see. He wants us to have a heart like Christ where we see those people who are moved with compassion because we recognize they're making a freaking mess out of their life. They're just choosing what's right in their own eyes. At the end of that's death. We know it. <laughs> I want to have compassion towards the, the people that are around us. I want to love them like Jesus does here. I want to recognize and think like, man, every day, when these people don't have a shepherd. I think a lot of times when I think about that verse, my, my brain is like, dumb sheep. <laughs> Why don't you just go to the shepherd? What are you doing? Why are you wandering around out here getting yourself attacked by wolves? What are you doing, stupid sheep? But what if those sheep people, <laughs> if those sheeple want shepherding and no one's willing to do that? What if they've been searching? What if they've been looking around and they're just like, will somebody leave me? Will someone keep me safe? Will someone guide me so that I can do this too? 
And there's just been no one that's been mature enough to stand up and start doing that in life because we won't own the mission. What if it's our fault? That sounds just as likely. Where are we? Who's willing to lay down their lives and step up as Christ did to shepherd others? As Jesus did, actually look about, look upon the people that are around us, even in this room. Look about the people that are around us. Look about the people that are around us in our life. Have compassion. Know them. Teach them. Lay down your life. Praying and guiding that Christ would be your strength as you do these things that you just can't do in reality. Okay, so concluding point. Uh, part of the growth process as Christians is to recognize that it's just not all about us. It takes some maturity to get to it. Right? Life's not all about you. Stop that. Put off childish things. Quit being selfish. Jesus wasn't like that, ever. <laughs> you know? It's not all about us. God wants to use us to shepherd others in the faith as well. That's our responsibility. So all these things that we're looking at, these key points this morning, um, knowing the Word of God, that takes work. You're going to be able to answer people that have these difficult questions and these dissenting opinions. If you're going to be able to answer them, you've got to know the Word of God. That takes work. If you're going to deliver the Word of God, that takes a lot of work. I don't know what it was. Yesterday, I probably spent like, I'm not, like, this is just my competency and inability. Like, it took me hours yesterday to just, like, work through how this can be worded, and it still doesn't feel, yes, it takes work. It takes labor in the Word to get to the point where you can share with others. I get that. Shepherding over people, that takes work. It's really difficult. Knowing the state of your flock, knowing where people are at, knowing where they're thinking, what they're feeling, how they're receiving, how they're moving forward, or how they're not. That takes a lot of work to check in with them, to befriend them, to, to just be in a relationship with them. That's difficult. They all require sacrifice. But we're called to it. And Peter, Peter was, <laughs> Peter was that one. Man, you love me, Peter? I love you, Jesus. You know it. Peter concludes, um, he writes this in 1 Peter 5, 4. He says, when that chief shepherd shall appear, Jesus shall appear, and the people that the people that were all about it, people that lived life, how God called them to, they're going to receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away for eternity. It's going to be worth it. It's a lot of work. It really is. It's going to be worth every stinking little bit of investment. If you'll, if you'll buy into it, if you'll hear that, you'll do what God's called you to this morning. I pray that you do. Um, I'm going to pray. I think we have 15 minutes, right? 10 30? We've done one minute. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to pray, and then uh, I had put these things together. Maybe you guys could just take them. These are all the key points that we've looked at in this friendship series so far up until this point. And then there's one question. Where do you see yourself on these points, and where do you want to grow? I would encourage you guys to just reflect upon that. Sit with the Lord with it. Um, spend some time thinking about that. And allow yourself to be transformed by what God's Word has been throughout these weeks. We'll conclude this series uh, on biblical friendships next week. If you guys can come back to that, so it's great. Uh, Father, thank you for your Word this morning. Uh, I pray that it's clear. I pray that it's receivable. But I believe it. It was to extent where you want us to live for you. God, you want us to be shepherds of other people. Um, you've called us to that. It's a commandment. God, when we heed it, um, if, if we were convicted, 
if, if your word was speaking to our hearts, let us not just go on with our ways. Cleaning is not as important. It's significant, but it's not as important. Going to the next service is not as important as dealing with what you call us to do. So I just pray that we would do that. Um, we would believe you that, Lord, you can use us. We can be taken from whatever point we came in here this morning to a point where we oversee lives in some capacity. And you want to do that, you'll empower us to do that. So give us faith to just align ourselves with you. Pray in Jesus' name.